Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malt House Games podcast. My name is Delton. I'll be your host today, and along with me is my co-host, the usual, my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. Hello, hello. This is a podcast all about board games, card games, tabletop games, role-playing games, dice games, things of that sort, and also uh, generally a beer or two on the show. The first beer for today's episode is from Coop Ale Works here in Oklahoma City. Uh, it is ID ID. It's their ID series. This uh, is number 16. It is a Baltic Porter aged in rye barrels. It is from Coop Ale Works, but more importantly, it's from Cody. It's a 9.5% alcohol by volume. Uh, and this says here on the side, the ID series reflects our brewery's needs, wants, desires, and impulses. Each release is the actualization of styles, ingredients, techniques, and flavors sparked by our present state of mind. This lagered porter has been a staff favorite pilot recipe for the past several years. Complex toffee, chocolate, and molasses notes aging through the winter in fresh rye barrels added subtle oak character and warmth. Yes, as Haley said, though, this is from our friend Cody, uh, who we actually got to hang out with in Arkansas this past weekend. We have been jet-setting, traveling fools, and actually we're not really traveling by plane. We did that once, but it feels like we've been traveling a lot lately because we have been traveling a lot lately. Whether it be out to my parents' house, uh, over to Arkansas via car, or really just anywhere at this point feels like traveling. And so like Delton said, this last weekend we went to Hot Springs, Arkansas, so we officially have our third, count them, three national park under our belt. We do. We have three national parks. Sadly, only two of them we have hiked, so we have to go back to Crater Lake and hike it sometime. It, it was kind of a hike. It was a little bit. It was a, definitely a hike for that little rental car up the mountain. It really, really was. It was the little engine that could. It was a little dinky rental car. What was it? A Kia Rio? It was a Kia Rio with no cruise control. No cruise control. And that little bitty car felt like it barely fit on those mountain roads. I barely fit in the car. That was true. And we did park the car and hike over to Crater Lake. So I say we hiked a little bit. I don't want to say that counts. I mean, we walked up a very small hill. We we <laughs> hiked up that hill, damn there, it. There you go. Just like we hiked up the hills of the Wichita's in Hot Springs, America this weekend. I don't think those are actually the Wichita's there. They're right next to the Wichita's. Or maybe they are the Wichita's there. They are because we- Yes, 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 yes. They go up in that direction. Yep. So we hiked in the Wichita's whenever we are down in Broken Bow, and we hiked in the northern Wichita's whenever we are up- and Hot Springs, it will hike in a completely different Wichita, spelled a completely different way here in a couple months, possibly for Delton's birthday, to be continued. What yes. are we drinking here, Delty? So this is the id number 16, the Baltic Porter. It is extremely dark, no light getting through it. Uh, very, very dark. Doesn't hold much of a head in my glass. Haley's yours held better. Mm. You can smell that like molassesy caramel, very deep. It's like a molasses and caramel, like, yes, those are sweet but it's a very complex depth of sweetness. To me, it smells like a really, really, really dark barb chocolate. It almost yeah. smells like cocoa. Like a really, really dark chocolate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm, actually, enters smooth. It opens up in the middle and finishes nice and carbonated, but it's got a really nice flavor to it. You know what it tastes like? Hmm. It tastes like a plum, like a dried plum. What is it? A prune. It tastes like a prune. It's got that. It kind of does have that prune, maybe even date a little bit in there that like dried fruit sweetness to it. But there is a little bit of that chocolate. And I feel like at the very back afterward, you get a little bit of aftertaste of like a, a slight like toffee or caramel. Really, really minor. This is what the French call the good shit. Mm, that's a really good beer, which we knew we would like it because A, 
Coop's id series is awesome. And B, it's a 9.5% porter. <laughs> Blessed. <laughs> it's hard to go wrong with that high of alcohol in a porter. But that's a really good beer. Uh, but yeah. It's really smooth for 9.5% too. It is very smooth for 9.5%. But we got to spend time in Arkansas and Hot Springs National Park with Cody and Jinwin, along with their dog Remy. And we took Margie because the Airbnb allowed pets. It was really cool. So we actually got to go speak to one of the park rangers as a volunteer park ranger about the history of Hot Springs and the government acquisition. And so Hot Springs was uh, initially like a resort town, like a, a bathhouse town. It went into disarray, disrepair in the 1960s. In the 1980s, the federal government bought it. And so Bathhouse Row in a lot of downtown Hot Springs is actually owned by the federal government and a part of the national park. But yeah, so the government owns part of it, which means uh, one of the bathhouses, Superior Bathhouse Brewing, uh, very, very good beers, especially they had, which if you know a lot about beers, this will sound, in sound interesting to you. It was a blonde stout, and essentially it's a beer brewed as a stout, the same strength, the same characteristics, but they didn't use any chocolate malt, didn't use any heavy toasted malt, or like, you know, anything like that. So it was a blonde in color. But they did everything else the same as you would a stout. And it was very, very good. We bought a 64-ounce growler of it to take back to the Airbnb for the weekend. We did. And so sadly, we did not bring any beer back to taste on the podcast because they didn't really sell cans of it. It was mostly drink it on the spot. Or growlers, or growlers. Yeah. And so, but it's really neat because on Bathhouse Row, you know, it's owned by the federal government. But they lease the old bathhouses out to a lot of different companies. So one of them is actually a national park museum. It had all, this, they said when we talked to the ranger. 90% of what we saw was original to the facility, which was had its heyday in like the 1910s, 1920s. And one of the other ones, the Hale, was a hotel, which was very expensive. I checked into it. A little outside of our budget. Yeah. We also, like Delton said, went to Superior. So Superior Bathhouse is now Superior Bathhouse Brewery. Kept the same name. The Quapaw is still an active uh, public bathhouse. And so that's one of the few, or what, the only one that you can pay I think it's like $25 to go in and yeah. actually soak in a public pool. There was another private one, and then another one of the buildings is left vacant right now. But it was really neat to hear the history of Hot Springs itself and how the government acquired those facilities and what they're doing now. And a lot of the, or most of the money that the businesses pay to the government to rent goes to maintaining the national park, goes to maintaining you know, the trails, and goes to paying the employees. And so it's really neat that the government was able to kind of coexist in the town and keep the keep the town keep the history alive keep these businesses flourishing but all the proceeds or all the rent goes to the national park not the proceeds those go to the businesses but the the rent goes to sustain the national park so it's really neat to see that coexist like that i guess yeah it was really neat and interesting uh like the superior bathhouse is the only actual like brewery within a state park or a national park in the whole nation uh and then something else that was neat so haley was saying the one was a public bath house where you could pay 25 bucks for the pool one of them you could do private baths, but I, I do want to point out on all of those, it is not straight spring water hot from the spring. They actually put it in tanks and then they bring it up and reheat it or cool it with other water before it gets in the pool. So you're not actually getting into a natural hot spring that's just right there, but they're using that natural hot spring water. One of the cool things you could do is they had multiple fountains in town uh, that you can go and fill up. The well, part of the reason the government bought it, apparently, that the ranger, that volunteer ranger was telling us, is that people were trying to charge to take water from the hot springs at one point, but that water is supposed to be free to anyone. So there are fountains where you can walk up 
and fill water bottles. People would bring up, you know, five-gallon jugs and have multiple of them and just be filling up natural spring water to take home to use as drinking water because the natural spring water is at an average, I believe they said, of 143 degrees Fahrenheit, which is hot enough to kill all bacteria. So it's essentially the cleanest, like, water you can have because it's so warm, which was really, really cool. And we brought home 64 ounces. We did, and we drank a bunch while we were there, too. But it was neat. We did get to put our feet and hands in a in a hot spring or run off from a hot spring. Yep. It was hot. Like you couldn't, you basically touched your finger and went, oh, that's too hot to put anything in. But it is when you can put your feet in, it's just really hard to withstand the heat. Really hard to withstand the heat, but it was totally worth it. It's such a neat little town. And we also went on a five-mile hike, which is very different than an Oklahoma five-mile hike. Yes, this had a lot of inclines and declines. Uh, my brother gave me his trekking poles he didn't use. And by golly, those saved my knees. Because total total hike, it's rated at four miles, but we had a little extra walking in ours, so it ended up being over five miles. But the uh, incline across the whole hike uh, that you totally, you know, basically the way our thing calculates it, if you hike up 50 feet of an incline in one spot and 25 feet of an incline later on, they add those together to make 75 feet. So the total for this one is just over 1,000 feet in inclination. And uh, I think that's the right, you can use that. 7,000 feet incline. Wouldn't inclination be an incline? But now I'm thinking about using the word inclination, and that's not right in my head. I think the term is inclinatorium. I don't think that's right at all. Anyway, it was steep, lots of ups and downs, needed those trekking poles save my knees, and sure enough, it did save my knees. The only thing I had was a blister on my toe, uh, which I've got to start, I guess, callousing up and getting used to that until I can get it where I'm good. But anyway, we got to do that and explore and just had a good time this weekend hanging out with friends. Uh, But now we're back at home. Is there something else we've been doing in the past two weeks? We had a game day with John and Lainey before they moved to Colorado. Womp womp. So sad. It's sad, but it's also exciting for them because their backyard view is of Pikes Peak and Garden of the Gods in Colorado Springs. So they have a gorgeous place they're getting with an awesome view and they're so close to the mountains, they're really going to enjoy it. And they have a lot of friends up there that they're close with. So it's going to be awesome for them, but it's sad for us. We won't get to see them as often, but hopefully we'll get to go visit up in Colorado. And we'll still get to see them at BGGCon, of course. Absolutely. BGGCon is always a must for us, so that makes sense. And since we last recorded, too, we also went out to your parents' house and hiked. We did. We went out to my parents' house. That was actually our longest hike to date, even over Arkansas. And it was like 5.4 miles, I think, out at Romano's. Yes. And also, so this is the difference between Delton and I. Oh, God. So we're packing up to go stay at his parents' house. And about 20 minutes before we leave, his brother calls me and says, hey, we're going to go camping tonight. Let's go camping tonight. Sleep under the stars. And I said, okay. I was down. I start packing stuff. Delton gets home. And Delton, I don't know if he knew this about Delton, but he needs about a week and a half to mentally prepare for any changes in plans. Yep. <laughs> so he was not as prepared as I was, but I'm a goddamn Girl Scout, so I was ready. But we went and packed up our hiking stuff and our camping stuff, and we actually camped out. In Romano's Park under the stars, it was wonderful, except for the 40-mile-per-hour wind gust. Oh, the wind was making it real hard to sleep. But it was really eerie because, you know, it, it got kind of calm between, like, 11 o'clock and 3 o'clock. But 3 o'clock in the morning, you could hear the wind start over in the trees about a quarter mile away. You just hear... And then you hear the rain fly. <laughs> against the tent. <laughs> you did. And all four of us thought we heard somebody walking around our campsite in the middle of the night, but it was fine. We didn't get murdered. We did not end up on some podcast about getting murdered while hiking, so turned out okay. Probably some little critter running around. Probably so. But we survived the night, 
got up and hiked a bunch the next day, spent some wonderful quality time with his parents, got up, hiked the next morning on Easter Sunday, had a great Easter lunch, brunch, whatever, with his family, and then came home, and it was just a really good weekend. It was. Yeah, we did the same hike again with my friend Morgan and her two dogs. Uh, For some reason, I just blanked Joe and Puck and uh, had a good time hiking and catching up. She's a friend I've known since pre-K or kindergarten, one of the two, but a long-ass time. Uh, but we got to do that, and like, like Haley said, it was just a nice time with family and friends and relaxing and all that, so it's been good. By the way, inclination is a person's natural tendency or urge to act or feel in a particular way, a disposition or propensity. Also, definition number two, a slope or slant. So I'm not wrong, it's just that's the most, the least common of the two uses for that word. Is that inclinkinopolitical? No, it is. Thank goodness it's not. <laughs> Jeez. But I think that's all we've been doing, but uh, I think we should get to the game that we played at John and Laney's. Because this is not a hiking podcast, even though we tried to make it, so. Oh, here's the door. Uh, uh. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. So the game for this episode is one that I have been wanting to buy for a while and to play. And when we went to John and Laney's, John said, pick a game out. Uh, he's got like four to five times my collection size, so... I wasn't sure what game to pick. And I was like, hey, you've got Fort. I've been willing to play it. Do you guys know how to play it? I don't want to make them like learn a game they haven't played in a while, or I guess should say relearn or learn a new one. So we busted out Fort. Now, Fort is published by Later Games. Let me grab the credits here. Since I don't have it in hand, I'm having to use my phone to find it, especially because our internet is down currently. Uh, the designer is Grant Rodiak. The artist is Kyle Farron. Like I said, published by Later Games. Development is Nick Brockman. Graphic designers are Nick Brockman and Patty Hewn. The editor is Joshua Yearsley. Later Games is the company that also puts out Root, is probably their most famous uh, other game. They also published Oath and, uh, oh, I can't remember now, the man, the game where you have the box and you tilt it. I can't remember what it's called. Something Caverns? Etch-a-Sketch. I'm bad at this. I'm bad at remembering what games, what people do what things. Anyway, uh, Root is a, re- or sorry, Fort is a reimplementation of SPQF, which is its old design. And a lot of people say that this design is fantastic and that Fort really cleaned everything up. Um, it is now ranked number 597 overall on BoardGameGeek. People really like it. It is a deck building game, and the actual little descriptor here Fort is a two to four player card game about building forts and following friends. In Fort, you're a kid, and like many kids, you want to grow your circle of friends, collect pizza and toys, and build the coolest fort. By doing this cool stuff, you'll score victory points, and by the end of the game, the player with the most victory points wins. Your cards not only let you take actions on your own turn, but also let you follow the other player's actions on their turns. Will you devote yourself to your own posse, or copy what the other kids are doing? But be careful, as your carefully constructed deck might start losing cards if you don't actually use them. After all, if you don't play with your friends, why should they hang out with you anymore? So, great description there. Fort, as it sounds, is a deck building game. Now, in Fort, you start with a basic deck of 10. You have your two best friends and some other friend cards, kids that are playing in your fort. You start off with, uh, I don't, I guess you don't have any pizza or toys. Maybe you have one of each, but pizza and toys are the two resources. You have your stuff and your backpack, which just helps you hold more stuff, basically. The way the game's going to play is on your turn. You will use a uh, you will play a card from your hand. So a lot of those cards have multipliers, so it's like gain pizza equal to the amount of water gun cards you play. So you can play that card and then lay down water gun cards or wilds 
and do the multiplier. So if it says one pizza per each water gun card, you play three water gun cards, you get three pizzas. Then every player around the table has an option to play or discard a water gun card. Basically, when I say card, it's always a kid, but they have different suits, water guns, skateboards, glue, stuff like that, right? Uh, And they also have actions on them. So if I'm saying a water gun card, it's actually a kid with actions and everything, but it's just that color of card, essentially, that suit. So uh, you have the option, every other player, to play a water gun card to copy. So if I played my water gun card and discarded some other water guns and got three pizza, you could play a water gun card or discard it to gain a pizza. Everyone around the table can do that. Then, and this is where this game uh, becomes different, then uh, you will recruit a new kid. So it's essentially buying a new card for your deck. You're recruiting a kid. Then any card in your hand that you did not play and is not one of your two best friend cards, they're uh, signified with a little star on the card, um, any card you did not play from your hand and is not a best friend will go down in your yard outside of your fort. Those cards will now be available until your next turn for any other player to recruit them to their fort. Then it play will then go to the next player. And there's some smaller rules like your fort size. The bigger your fort, uh, the more uh, stuff you can hold in your backpack. The bigger the fort, the more stuff you can hold. It's like these, essentially it's upgrades to where it's like um, you're able to essentially tuck in a glue card and now you will forever, when you're adding multipliers up, you will forever have an extra glue. But you lose that card in its abilities. But uh, that number goes up with how high your fort uh, level is. The end of the game comes when either somebody's fort hits the max level and the round then completes. The draw stack is completely empty. Or one other thing, and uh, somebody gets to 25 points on the point track. Lainey got the macaroni crown before I did. I was so mad. She did. The macaroni crown is for the person who completes their fort first. Uh, So you get bonus points for doing that. There are also a, uh, once you upgrade your fort to the first level, you're able to get a special bonus in-game scoring card, and it can read an extra point for every pizza at the end of the game. Then there's also the next level you upgrade your fort to, you get a special ability, and it could be discard this card to take a second action on a turn or something like that. But that's the basics of the game. It's similar to all deck builders in that you're drawing cards from your deck, you're playing them, you're you know buying cards, going to discard drawing new hands, stuff like that, over and over, resources, buying new cards, trying to get points. But it really differs in that the cards that you play, you either have to play with multipliers or you risk losing all these cards you've been purchasing trying to make these combos. So I find that this game has a really interesting element of learning to adapt in the moment versus trying to just build your own solitaire thing. And I actually think it does a fantastic job of that. And I love that the concept is that the kids have high enough self-esteem that if you don't play with them, they're going to go find somebody else. They don't have to wait around for you. Yeah, they don't have to hang out in your fort anymore, your yard. They'll go to the neighbor's yard where they've got all the glue or all the water guns or skateboards. No play with them. Dang it. They really will. I, I need to find a, a list of the different things because like, that's one of the things with this game. Uh, if you've ever seen Root, Kyle Farron has amazingly adorable artwork. And it's something that makes uh, Fort a treat. And if you remember, we talked about Root in one of our earlier episodes, and that's actually what we talked about, is making games that are more difficult, more inviting by the art and the graphic design. And that's one thing with this game. It's not difficult. It is not a hard game to play. 
It's an easy game to follow. It's easy to get most of the rules. They have a jumbo-sized like icon sheet to tell you what everything does. And by the time you're halfway through the game, you've basically got every single little rule down. But it's really easy because the little player cards are big. The icons are big. The words are big. It makes sure to say, here's what this all means. And they don't try to like hide it or tuck it back. The game is not difficult to play. The artwork is adorable. I'm just trying to find examples of more card types. I guess you also have crowns and you have shovels and you have books. Those are some of the other ones. And then the wild is a gold coin because money is always wild. But it's such an interesting and cute game. Uh, in terms of like deck building itself, I think the biggest thing it does differently is it focuses on multipliers and you actually want to play everything from your hand because on your turn, you get one action to play something. You want to play a multiplier. You want to utilize what's in your hand because if you do, you're going to be able to keep those cards in your deck to keep utilizing them for the points they can give you or you know, gaining your resources, which you spend your pizza and toys that you gain to upgrade your fort and things like that. So it's a very, very neat game, very cute game. And I really had a good time and it makes me want to buy it and the Cats and Dogs expansion even more now. Same here. I feel like it was an easy teach. It was an easy play. I mean, we had both had two very strong point beers at that point, and we were able to grasp it fairly easily after playing the brain burner of Calico. But still, it felt like it was a very strategic game. So like it was a very fun game. A very engaging game. I would totally play this again. I really liked it. For sure. And I should say that uh, we played a four-player, which is maximum. And the four-player game took us, I think, an hour five. So it's a great length of time for a game, right? It's just it's one hour with four people, and two of us are new players. So I feel like now that we're used to it, we could speed that up a little bit. And I think a two-player game could be very quick in this. And also just as fun. Absolutely. One of the things that I really appreciated about this game, and I think it will hold through all play counts, by the way, uh, is the uh, the interesting way that it presents the player interactions. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. But first, a beer. So this next beer is another one from Ben whenever we went to Cabin Con. I should say from Ben and Jesse. Oh no. Oh, wait. Okay. I thought that said 8.7%. I was like, we just had a 9.3% beer. <laughs> we're about to have a pint of it. 87 It's only 57 so no. we're good. 5.7%. This is from Masthead Brewing Co. in Cleveland. This is Superior Wit. It is a one pint, 5.7% white ale with lemon peel, orange peel, and coriander. Very, very much Belgian. Superior Wit is our take on a classic Belgian style. Brewed with lemon peel, orange peel, and freshly cracked coriander, this refreshing ale is exceptionally seasonable. Uh, Ben's note on the side says, again, a non-IPA to round out your selection. Masthead is pretty solid, so hopefully you like this one. I'm sure we will, Ben. I'm sure we will. Also, I love the notes they put on the side of those cans. I know. Now I feel like a jackass not doing it to them and like giving them notes on the beer. Well, whenever we roll in our 55-gallon barrel of beer next uh, cabin con, we'll make sure to put a nice note, maybe even a book of sentiment. So this beer is a very hazy yellow it's got a nice head it's, uh, retain, retention on top. Uh, looks like it's nice and carbonated. It smells like a Belgian wit. It's got that lightness. It's got that almost a little bit of like weediness to it, that slight sourty smell that I find that wheat beers and Belgian wits have. You can tell it's a lot lighter and that's a wit because of the little crunchy bubbles on top. It doesn't have like the thick yeah. foamy bubbles. It has the crunchy bubbles. Real small. Real small. I mean, that's a Belgian wit. Orange peel, coriander. There is a little bit of lemon in there, which is interesting. It's a fancy blue moon, dang it. I take offense to that. 
I think I think Belgian beer is the king of beers. Just kidding. It's really good. Belgian beer is the ruler of all beers and will forever will be. Uh, my all-time favorite being the Belgian Abbey Quad, but also you have to be an abbey and actually be a Trappist monastery brewing that is, it, you have to, it takes a lot. It takes a lot, but I love me a good wit, and this is a really solid wit. This is very good. It's very flavorful. It is not a better blue moon. Mm. It is its own thing, but man, it- It does have a lot of flavor. If you've had a blue moon, like take a blue moon and up the flavor by like 85%, and you have this. Take a blue moon and remove like 60% of the water content. Absolutely. (laughs) Evaporate the water, but leave the alcohol and all the flavors, and you're going to get a good Belgian. This is delicious. Oh, this is dangerously easy to drink. It's so smooth. It's got a nice carbonation, and it goes down real gentle. We both just drank like half of it, and it's only been about 11 seconds. Mm-hmm. I need to put this that's, down. That's really good. I'm going to hold it as we start talking. Oh, hey, our internet's back. Well, look at that. I just looked over and saw the modem change. I was like, oh, that's so good. It's blue now instead of red. Thank goodness. I was telling Delton this earlier. Like Every time our internet goes out, there's like this little voice in my head that says, ah, oh, this is probably the end. The Russians have won. <laughs> yeah. I just kind of accept my fate, because after everything that happened in 2020, 2021, 2022, I'm just like, eh. Weep womp. Russians taking over our internet. It's fine. Never have internet again. It's fine. I know it, but... Well, let's get on to this topic, because we have wrestling in 12 minutes. Oh, God. So we're going to see if we can get through this and also make it still good. The topic today is going to be player interaction. Let's just talk really quickly, then get edit it down and make it really slow. I'm not going to be like Excalibur on <laughs> AEW, where he's flying through those wrestling cards. Let's talk really quickly about the game. The topic of today's episode is... You just took up like four seconds, and now <laughs> I'm taking up time yelling at you for it. So today we're talking about player interaction. Uh, player interaction is exactly what it sounds like. It's when players interact during a game. Uh, a lot of the big games that I enjoy are very, very low on player interaction. It's going to be your what they, a lot of people like to call multiplayer solitaire. It's where you have an idea and what you want to do and you go for it and you're really not being interrupted. You're not being halted by somebody. Nobody's messing with you, taking resources, taking cards you want, things like that. Some games allow for player interaction, generally negative, such as playing Calico with John and Laney, where John said, I think you need this. I'm going to take this from the pool in the middle instead. Right? That is a negative player interaction because I'm being in- interacted with negatively. Uh, I think that's just poor planning on your part. No, it's the, <laughs> the one tile came out and I had to wait a whole round to get it. And then he took it last minute. Anyway, there's multiple different types of player interaction. And by multiple, I mean mainly two. I guess you could say three. There's neutral, there's positive, and there's negative. Negative is going to be taking something from someone or hurting somebody for doing something. Positive is going to be, I guess, a lot of trading games is probably positive interaction where you're making a, a, a mutual trade agreement, things like that. Or some games where if you help somebody else, then you get a benefit of moving up further in the game, things like that. Uh, and then a neutral player interaction is generally uh, what I'm going to consider a neutral interaction. The only example that really comes to mind is playing Fun Employed. If you don't want one of those you know, quirk cards or whatever they are, you can put it in the middle and take a different one, and then someone else can take it. So you're interacting because you can decide on things based on other players, but it's not negative or positive in that moment. That was a really good description. I tried. So I don't like negative interaction. I think negative interaction is very... Unless the game is like solely built on it, I find that negative interaction really is something I don't jive with because I like having a plan and trying to go for it, right? That was what I liked so much about Food Chain Magnate. There's not really a way to attack your opponent directly you're setting things up and they can adapt to it but there's no like i'm gonna take your card i'm gonna take this over i'm gonna ruin this 
things like that. And I don't like, I don't generally like games that are like, I'm going to play this card and Jack with you. And now you've lost your ability to do what you were doing. If you guys know me, you know that I, I really don't mind it. And at times I really like it because when it comes to games, I like to think on my feet. I like to have different options of planning. Like whenever it comes to, you know, the time between my turn, of course, I'm going to be planning my next turn. I'm going to be looking towards the future, but I kind of like to think on the spot. And so if somebody jacks with my stuff, yes, it's frustrating, but that's what makes the game interesting for me. And so I, I really don't mind it and at times really like it. Yeah, the only time I like it is when I lose really badly and I can blame it on somebody messing with me versus my own mistakes. See, it's, it's helpful. <laughs> it can be helpful. I guess it's positive there. Uh, but one of the things that Fort does that I liked and I kind of talked about is Fort has that option where if you don't play a card on your turn, as long as it wasn't a best friend card, it's going to go in your yard where other people can recruit it and essentially take a card that you've been using in your deck. I really like this mechanic. I really like the aspect of I'm not going to use it. It has an option. It can go away. If I'm doing this awesome strategy and making all these cards work together and then one turn I decide not to use those, they might disappear forever if people decide to take them. I find that the first round of the game, it was more difficult because nobody had available cards. And if you're the first person to put them out, that makes it real scary. But later in the game, when everybody's got two or three cards in front of them, it kind of feels like, oh, I'm not really trying to hurt you. I'm trying to find what's best for me. But I think the, the thing I like about that is it's your decision whether or not those cards are used, or it's the way you've built your deck, whether or not they can be used, right? I really enjoyed having one or two cards that I wasn't even going for any combos for with because I could follow other players' abilities. I could follow your squirt guns because I didn't have any, but I had one. I could play it to copy your ability to begin a pizza, toy, whatever. But I really liked that aspect of interaction because you can take stuff from the center, but you're never messing with people. You can copy people's packs, which is just saying, if they've got two toys in their backpack, you can copy and put two toys in your pack, right? So you're not harming the other players. You're just going, you're benefiting from what they've done. And then when you recruit from them, yes, it can kind of harm them, but they've made the decision, which means it doesn't feel as bad. And I think that's part of negative interaction is when you don't have a decision in what's happening at all, then it doesn't feel good. If you're like, I'm planning this and this and this, and someone just plays a card that says, screw that, I'm taking all your crap it feels real shitty. But if you say, I'm going to do this instead of this, knowing that these are now going to be available, it doesn't feel bad in that moment. Does that make sense? I think that's fair too. Yeah, it makes sense. One, I think that's fair. Because like you said, whenever you're playing this game, like you're, you're willingly or half willingly making those cards vulnerable, the ones that you lay down because you don't use them. And I really yeah. like, I know Delton talked about this in the discussion of the game but i really like how the topic draws it in you're not playing with these friends there's a chance they might leave they might not want to be your friend anymore because you're not playing and so you willingly choose some friends to play with versus others and so that puts you at risk for losing those other friends and i can see how it makes it feel less mean yeah the artwork the 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 theme the setting whatever you want to call it uh is implemented so well in this game for that reason as well as just in general, the, the other, the type of kids on the cards, things like that. But it, it just makes sense, right? It makes sense. You want pizza, you, you, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's very fun. Uh, but I enjoy that about it. I do enjoy games and it's kind of hard to, to find good examples of like strictly positive player interaction. Um, I always consider positive to be trading games. I'm just not a, the, a, the biggest fan of trading games. You don't want wood for my sheep? I don't want wood for your sheep. No. I can see that though. I think that's a really good point because with trading games, 
yes, there's player interaction, but usually it's mutually beneficial. Yes, normally it's mutually beneficial. So I'm looking online. These are other people on BGG from looks like 2019 of some games that have it. Um, uh, games like uh, Roll for the Galaxy, picking an action that allows all players to perform it. It's kind of like in Fort, right? When you play an action, if everyone has a card to play, they can follow that action and get a little benefit. And it's called Follow the Leader, and I love it. Yes, it's Follow the Leader, which is perfect. Uh, there's games like Imminent Dona- Domain, uh, Bonanza. It can be beneficial to donate cards to other players. They can accept the gift, but don't have to. Concordia has the Prefect action, rewards all players present in the province that you activated in. Uh, Brass Birmingham, which we played, Haley. Uh, it says where e- players can use each other's canals and railways and coal and iron, which is true. You're using other people, giving them things. Uh, so it's positive interaction with that player's resources. You're benefiting, but th- so are they. So I guess those are good examples of if someone, like, they set a train line and you use their train line, then that's positive if they're getting rewarded for that and not being, you know, punished for it. So there's, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting way that they've implemented these few, few mechanics that are different these mechanisms, um, they're not vastly, like, drastically crazy ideas, but I just think the way they did it was clean, it was simple, and it was fun, and it makes the player interactions enjoyable. And it really fits with the theme, which I know theme isn't yeah. everything, but whenever you're playing for it, like, I, I, I just love this game because everything about the theme, everything about the mechanics makes you feel like you're a little kid. Like, you're collecting pizza and you're collecting toys. It's your stuff in your bag. If you don't play with your friends, and you, they might leave. You have your best friends, your two star cards, who never leave. And so I just, I love that, and I love this player interaction part. Because, yes, if you don't play with your friends, you're going to leave. Yes, if you don't play with these cards, there's a chance they might be taken. But that's a choice that you make uh, to put those cards at risk. Exactly. I just think it really does a great job. Speaking of the kids in the game, by the way. And now, join us. For a Malt House Games podcast special, size question. So for the question of this episode, so sorry we're running super late here because we got three minutes until wrestling and dinner. Super fast. We're trying to get super fast through it while also making quality content. Hopefully you enjoy. I'm sure we'll be talking about this game again at some point. Uh, our question for this episode is, which fort kid are you? Because in the game, there are multiple kids uh, on the cards, and they're all adorable and hilarious. Uh, Haley, was do you agree that Thunder is my kid? Yes, Thunder, Thunder is your kid. Thunder is the kid with roller skates. He's got his little helmet on, and he's just got a giant container of cheesy poofs that he's eating on, and he's just got the little smile that shows like a little chubby kid smile that I love, and it's 100% me. Now, was the one that you liked Blitz? Was that the squirt gun, football helmet, football pads? So I feel like I had two stages to my childhood. Okay. The first stage, I was a ghost. Uh-huh. Just a really pale kid who sat in the corner and didn't awkward. talk to anyone. Just really awkward and just stared at everyone. And then there came about a time whenever I was about 11, whenever I started to be assigned the duties of watching other kids. I started babysitting about age 11 or 12, for better or worse. And that's whenever I became Blitz. I literally wore a helmet everywhere because I was afraid of getting brain damage because of a video we watched in, in school. Yep. And I uh, always had a backpack full of just cool stuff like water guns and all sorts of fun stuff. So I believe I was a ghost who transformed into a Blitz, and I own up to that. That's perfect. And I think mine was, uh, what did I say his name was? Thunder. Thunder with the cheesy poofs. And there was one more that I can't remember that I thought was probably me at some point. But the kids in this game are cute. Check out Kyle Farron's artwork or check out Fort, check out Root, anything else he does. He's got adorable art. And we should also say... 
Check out our Patreon backers. Yes, patreon.com slash malthousegames if you want to support us at whatever level you want. Our amazing Patreon backers that get shouted out on this podcast are Allison, Alan, I forgot for a second, Allison, Alan, Jesse and Catherine, Cliff and Jennifer, Kathleen, that I said? Catherine. I don't know if I butchered it or not. I feel like we need we're, to kind of restart that. <laughs> we're going to restart this. Thank you so much to our wonderful Patreon patrons that back us at the level in which you get a shout out. This is what we get for trying to down these beers really quickly to get through this podcast to get to wrestling. We have one minute. Allison, Alan, <laughs> Jesse, Catherine, Cliff, and Jennifer. Thank you all so much for supporting us. Thank you, John, for having us over to have a game night with you and your lovely wife. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure to look us up on social media at Malthouse Games. Send us an email, contact at malthousegames.com. If you have a topic you want us to cover, a question for us to answer, a beer we should find, or a game we should play. Uh, you can find me on social media at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. You can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. Uh, we did record some stuff at 7 o'clock. We recorded some stuff at CabinCon. I'm going to be compiling a small video that's going to be for patrons only. If you want to find that, I'm going to try to have it done in May. So try to sign up for the Patreon. Uh, I guess, is May 1st on Sunday? It is on Sunday. Okay, well, you may it may be too late at that point, but if you sign up uh, for Patreon, you should be able to get it. It's going to be any level for patrons. It will not be anything fancy. It's just going to be a little travel vlog with some videos and uh, pictures and me and Haley hopefully doing some voiceover stuff on the pictures and what we saw what we did. So uh, with all that being said, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We will see you folks later. Watching wrestling now. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>